Hello, and welcome to We Speak CVE, a free podcast from the CVE program. On this podcast, we'll talk with people from the cybersecurity community about what else? Cybersecurity and vulnerability management and the CVE catalog of vulnerabilities. If you didn't know, the CVE program's mission is to identify, define, and catalog publicly disclosed cybersecurity vulnerabilities. Hello and welcome to the CVE Program Podcast. I'm Shannon Sabins, your host and CVE Program Board member. Uh, with me today, I have Todd Beardsley, a fellow CVE uh, Board member, and I'm asking Todd about his blog, An Inside Look at What Makes the CVE Program Tick. Hi. <laughs> Hi. I'm doing okay. Uh, I they were we're recording this the day after DEFCON ended, and alas, I couldn't go to DEFCON. You couldn't go to DEFCON. Hopefully next year. Hopefully next year. Hopefully next year. So this uh, this is a really nice article in SC Media, and I wanted to invite you to talk about it in an inside look at what makes the CVE program tick. You reflected a little bit about the history of the program. Um, in a way that I thought was really great. And you mentioned some things that I wanted to call out uh, to our listeners. One of the things that you called out was the explosion of CNAs, uh, CVE numbering authorities. And so our membership of CNAs has grown quite a bit. Todd, how many are there? There are um, a relative ton. Um, there are, you know, millions of organizations in the world and 235 of them are CNAs. So relative to like all companies on earth, very small relative to all open source projects, tiny, tiny, tiny. Um, but relative to the history of CNA, huge or the history of CVE rather, uh, it's huge. Um, you know, we're seeing, so we have 235 right now, uh, which is about 200 and I don't know, 25 more than we had 10 years ago. Um, and I'd say that like these days, we see probably one or two new CNA partners a week, I want to say. That seems about right. Like we get a notification every time uh, somebody somebody comes through the process. And that is shockingly high uh, com- considering the history. So we're the, the CVE program has really kind of embraced and moved toward this federated model of how to run CVE. Um, as you know, software is everywhere. It's eating the world. And all software of any complexity has some number of bugs in the, and some of those bugs uh, are software vulnerabilities. And so as more software gets dumped out into the world, um, we'll have more bugs, more vulns. Um, the federated strategy here um, adopted by the CVE program really is trying to um, disseminate the responsibility, right, for making new CVE IDs. Um, and I think with with some um, fairly notable success. Um, so for example, like Microsoft um, has been a CVE partner and been a CNA forever, right? And they cover um, all Microsoft products, which is a lot of products. They have hundreds and hundreds of products, uh, notably Windows, <laughs> um, but they cover all, all Microsoft products. But now we have things like GitHub, um, which is technically part of Microsoft, um, but they are their own CNA um, and they their remit is covering, uh, is generating CVE IDs uh, for projects that are hosted on GitHub, which is a lot. Yeah. So if you run a project on GitHub and you sign up with them um, through their security management, um, 
um, it's not MITRE who is doling out these CVE IDs. It would be GitHub, and GitHub has that capability to do it themselves. Um, Red Hat is another great example. They do they do a lot um, for for Red Hat and also other Linuxy things. Um, Apache Foundation is, is an open source foundation that runs a whole lot of um, software that everybody uses. They can churn out CVE IDs. Um, you'll notice that like Apache and GitHub have often will have like github as a as a host for open source and apache as like a maintainer of open source um they're going to have a lot of crossover um and so you have now not just miter to deal with um but you have a you have a variety of options of how to get your cvid so ultimately the idea is more more hands makes for lighter work and if there are more and more um, CNAs out there who are at least taking care of their own stuff and a few of them that take care of other people's stuff, like that makes it a lot easier to get a CVEID. You mentioned some really great contributors to the program um, that are mm -hmm. that are very active. But also I want to mention uh, the roots. Uh, JP Cert uh, is, mm -hmm. is a root and um, CISA. Uh, for industrial control. So there are also these routes that can help orgs um, in their uh, region or in their domain um, that yep. are in incredibly active. Um, and the routes are certainly helping the program to scale. But that that leads me to the question, you know, about why people should become a CNA, who's eligible uh, to become a CNA, and um, you know why sign up for the extra for the extra work and and how much sure. extra work is it? What are the requirements? Unlike a lot of professional organizations, the CVE program is funded and free. Uh, so it is primarily, um, I think almost wholly funded by uh, Department of Homeland Security, uh, which is part of the U.S. government, but it is right. not a U.S. government only thing, right? Um, we have members who are all over the world, lots of different governments involved. You mentioned JP CERT, that's the, the Japanese uh, CERT, and they are part of the Japanese government, so clearly not part of the U.S. government. Um, you do not have to be a government <laughs> to be involved uh, in the CVE program as a CNA at all. Um, you know, private companies are members, open source projects are members, even though they don't have like a salary system or HR or anything like that, right? Um, as long as someone stands up and waves their hand and says, hey, I want to be a CNA, um, all you actually need to do is agree to go through the training, um, which is delightful. Um, it's pretty short. It, you have to have a place, a website, um, where you publish vulnerability information um, about the scope of the vulnerabilities that you care about. For most, for most organizations, it's just their stuff. There are a few other kinds of organizations we can get into a little bit later. Um, but you have to have a place to publish that thing. Uh, and you have to agree to the CVE terms of service, which is basically you have to publish the CVEs. Like you don't get to use CVE as like your own private, like, bug numbering system. Um, all CVEs will eventually become public. A lot of times people will reserve a CVE, do the work, you know, figure out what the vulnerability is, write down the description and then publish it. Um, so technically there is that period where it is where it is outside of the public view, but um, the ultimate destiny for every CVE ID is, is to be public. Uh, and then it gets to be publicly consumable by everybody. Everybody on planet Earth and beyond. I assume they use CVEs in the space station. So since everyone can use it, um, it is and and the restrictions on it are super super light. You basically promise to, you know, publish them. <laughs> essentially, I think that's the, ultimately the only restriction. Um, 
And uh, once everybody's on that, now we have like a common framework for discussing vulnerabilities, for um, machines to talk about vulnerabilities to other machines, for people to talk about vulnerabilities to other people. We can all make reference to these CVEIDs. Um, and so the kinds of organizations uh, that sign up to be a CNA are all over the place. Um, it's pretty tech heavy, as you might expect. Um, but the the reality is in, you know, here in the, the 21st century, um, virtually every company is in fact a tech company. Somebody somewhere in your company, I'm sure, makes a web application for something or a mobile app, um, you know, or does something techie related, right? Um, so as long as you're like producing some kind of technology, some kind of software, which is nearly everyone, um, you know, you are you are invited uh, to become uh, a CNA for for at least your own stuff. Uh, CNA, by the way, stands for CVE Numbering Authority, um, and that means um, you you get to write your own CVE IDs, and you can write your own descriptions and publish them um, along with along with everyone else. Um, the size of organization doesn't matter. There's no fee for joining. Um, there's no like dues or anything like that. That is all cheerfully paid for by me, the American taxpayer, and you, Shannon. Um, so uh, enjoy your CVEIDs. Uh, the The size of organizations doesn't really make a difference. There are huge organizations like Microsoft, I already mentioned. There are tiny uh, one-person organizations who are also CNAs. Um, and so um, it's pretty, it, it really is open to everybody. We see CNAs that are in, you know, medical technology, you know, traditional software. There are uh, the the CISA, but they run industrial controls. And so like, that's where these CNA roots come into play because they'll manage like basically any kind of technology provider that is like medical or automotive or any kind of IOT or OT kind of stuff. It's really all over the place. Like there is, in my mind, there's no reason not to be a CNA. Um, you there's There's lots of upside and you can scale the amount of work you put into it to whatever is whatever makes the most sense for you. So just to say it again, um, the only requirement yes. that was a long answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's all right. So the only requirements for becoming a CNA are to have a public vulnerability disclosure policy and to have a page or a public source for new vulnerability dis disclosures and to agree to the terms of use. And, you know, it, it does come up sometimes that we're an organization uh, whose administration is funded by the US government. However, mm -hmm. we have membership in Switzerland, in the Netherlands, in China, in, in Taiwan, in Japan. Um, membership is widely open um, and participation is quite broad, uh, both in its regionality um, and in, in, you know, the kind of organizations that have sought membership. And again, in an IOT and an IIOT um, world, um, we're seeing, um, as you said, you know, everything and everybody um, is a tech company in effect these yep. days. So we are, we are very open in terms of broadening our uh, membership. But I, I want to, Todd, continue on this, you know, U.S. funded question uh, that entities mm -hmm. sometimes have. Um, and there is sometimes some confusion about the relationship between CVE and the mm -hmm. NVE, uh, which yes. is the U.S. National Vulnerability 
database. CVE and NVD are not the same. Um, Todd, do you, do you want to speak to that briefly? Um, sure, 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 sure. Um, I believe I'll refer, first off, uh, if you want a much longer answer, I refer to episode one of this very podcast. <laughs> uh, I believe we talked about that. Um, but uh, yeah. in short, uh, NVD and CVE, they're very different. Um, and the National Vulnerability Database uh, is run by uh, NIST, uh, which itself is part of the Department of Commerce, I believe. Um, also federal government. Um, and what they do is that they will take as an input um, the CVE list, uh, and then they um, go through each CVE ID and rate um, severity and general I don't even know why I would qualify with generally in all cases. Um, they use um, the CVSS uh, scoring mechanism, which is the, oh, gee, what does that even stand for? Uh, Common Vulnerability Scoring System, I believe. Um, and that produces a digit <laughs> uh, with some precision um, between 0 and 10, 0 being don't worry about it. Why do you even have a CVE uh, to 10 of uh, drop everything you're doing and patch this thing right now? Um, and they do this on behalf of the uh, civilian federal government networks. So think like basically anything that's not DOD, anything that's not a, like a military network, um, but that the federal government has an interest in keeping running. They also do it um, on behalf uh, of all the critical infrastructure um uh, industries. There's 10 of them. Uh, these were defined uh, by a, an executive order from uh, President Obama several years ago. And so there's a lot of users of it. Private networks, generally speaking, don't have to follow the guidance of the National Vulnerability Database. They often find it convenient to do so anyway. Um, they are impartial. Uh, they tend to score a little bit high, I would say, um, compared to like what vendors might think what their scores are, um, which we can have a whole discussion of like the subjectivity and scoring vulnerabilities. Uh, but NVD does a does a fine job at it. They're very interested in figuring out like the truth of a vulnerability, they will chase down um, the description and the references that are provided um, by the CVE program and then make an assessment. And so while vendors are welcome to offer their own um, uh, CVSS scores as part of filing their CVE IDs, uh, it's it's not required. And also there is a second source out there called the NVD. Yeah, so NVD and CVE are, are not one and the same. You know, as I talk about it being a global program, I have seen other, um, other nations, other countries uh, doing something somewhat similar to NVD yep. with CVE. Um, so NVD is, is not um, entirely unique in that way. Um, and again, you know, we, we welcome other countries, other regions, other certs, um, mm -hmm. to participate as a CNA um, and or a root, a JP certs a root uh, in the program. So um, how else is the program changing, Todd? What wow. Um, I know so many so things, right? <laughs> the headline is, oh my gosh, we have so many CNAs now. <laughs> we do well, like I'm, I'm meme guy holding a bunch of limes and I can't hold all these CNAs. Um, you know, that's, that's, probably the biggest and the most significant change um, over the last, here's the thing. It's like when people think about CVE, they usually think about it in terms of when they first learned about it. So if you've been in like the, the cybersecurity industry for, 
you know, more than a decade, you probably are thinking of CVE in that like decade old kind of context. Um, but no, it's changed. Um, so like, for example, like the, the whole notion of working groups um, is relatively new in the, in the history of CVE right now, there are I believe five uh, permanent working groups um, that all have their own charters. Um, you run one <laughs> called uh, the OCWG. Um, what does that stand for? I am the chair of the outreach working group. Um, and right. some of these groups... Out, outreach and communications, I believe. Outreach right? and communications, right. Some of the yep. working groups um, require you to be a CNA to participate. Uh, the outreach and communications working group is is one where anyone from the community can participate. You don't have to be uh, a CNA. Todd, tell us about your work. That's right. Group. Yep, um, I I help run the uh, CNA coordination working group, which you would think would be the same thing as outreach, but it's not. Um, it's it is just for CNAs. Um, and it's mostly about how CNAs can work with each other, whereas like OCWG is more about like how to get new CNAs, <laughs> um, right. you know, and, and talking about that. Uh, there are two working groups where you don't even have, like you mentioned, don't you don't even have to be a CNA to participate. You just have to be like interested in the direction of CVE. Uh, and that's the automation working group or AWG. They're responsible for all the tooling. Um, so if you're interested in like how like technically uh, CVE IDs come into being and all the things about like reservations and collision avoidance and like how, you know, all the services actually work and how all the permissions are working and the security model, like you can, and you're not a CNA, um, you are welcome at the AWG. Other um, working groups have different requirements. The CNA, like, so my working group, the CNA, CWG, we're all about CNAs. You have to be a CNA. Um, but there are other working groups like the quality working group. Um, there's uh, the strategic planning working group. Those are like more of a case by case. If you're interested in that, but not a CNA, like you can you can take your chances, uh, ask, and um, and if you have something useful to contribute, I'm sure they'll 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 uh, pick up the phone. Um, easier though is to become a CNA because then you'll know like you know what it's like to be a, a CVE numbering authority. So. Uh, like I said, there's there's no real reason not to be a CNA, so you may as well uh, sign up to be one. Um, just as long as you got a website, uh, we'll take all comers. And um, you know, when I think about the working groups, these are great opportunities to see how the program has changed and is changing. Mm -hmm. The automation working group, in particular. I think is um, is a real opportunity to see how we're uh, scaling um, and what changes we're making to scale better. Um, and if you you know if you like the technical aspects of of feeding back uh, in, into the CVE program, I think that's one that a lot of people would enjoy. If you are a little more of a person who you know. Um, wants to do outreach and, and work with the P-certs and the teams uh, who um, are interested in becoming uh, CNAs, you know, the outreach and communications working group, my working group is a good opportunity. Um, but also there are just little things that um, really help other people a lot. But, um, if you're a CNA um, and you, are kind of a different sector or, or um, 
you know, maybe you uh, do IoT or you do IIoT, your industrial controls, uh, the the MyCVE story uh, where you talk about what your team's experience was becoming a CNA can be very helpful to other businesses like you. So just a small thing like writing a blog and talking about your experience can help other, you know, can help other people um, on their path to becoming a CNA. So, you know, you can do something simple, write a blog, you know, invest an hour in, in the CVE program, or, you know, you can volunteer ongoing. We have a lot of opportunities uh, to participate in the program through the working groups. Again, whether or not you are a CNA, there are opportunities for you. I would say whether or not you're a CNA or a future CNA. One thing I did want to mention that we're running a um, a mentoring program now uh, in the uh, CNA coordination working group. Uh, it's basically a matchmaking program. It's uh, incredibly simple. Uh, we find new CNAs, we pair them up with you know old and crusty CNAs, and um, they figure out like how to deal with weird cases, basically, right? Like we have a whole bunch of rules and a whole bunch of flowcharts and all that, but we're talking about vulnerabilities, and vulnerabilities are almost by definition, um, you know, undocumented, unintended consequence kind of thing. So we run into a lot of edge cases. And so the navigating those treacherous waters is can be a lot easier if you have like an experienced friend uh, to help you along the way. And so not only do we have like a, this slightly more formal mentoring program, but just like everybody I know that it gets involved, at least in the working groups, are super nice <laughs> uh, and are more than willing to help out and are are eager to get you to a point of success um, when you are starting out as a CNA, as you go on in a CNA, like basically it's a, it's a self-selecting group of, of heroes, honestly. Like I, I get a little, I get a little teary when I think about it. Cause it's like, for me, that is the reason to be a CNA is like, if you care about security and you care about like vulnerability disclosure and you care about fixing the internet, which we all depend on every day for our literal lives. Um, you know, this is a great way to get involved in that. And so, you know, I run into people like Shannon who can't help but help. I run into all kinds of people involved in the CNA program, especially in the working groups. You know, that may be the right place to leave off because I'm so excited about this CNA mentoring program that I would love for you to come back um, and talk more about the mentoring program and what opportunities it affords uh, potential CNAs um, and sure. how they might be helped by the program. Do you think that you might be willing to come back and talk to us more? Why about exclusively? I would love that. <laughs> I'd be happy to. I would love that. All right. Well, let's leave off here for today. Um, but this was great. Todd, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and we're Goodbye. excited to have you back. Please come back anytime. Will do. Thank you for joining us today on the We Speak CVE podcast, which is available for free on Buzzsprout and the CVE website. If you'd like to participate or suggest a topic, please contact us on the CVE website.